0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Adrian, if you don't know me. My kind of desire through this point is that we pick up uh, on where we're going as a church in a series entitled Building Culture. If this is your first time around us, basically uh, what we've seen is that actually in centering our lives on Jesus' life, death and resurrection, it changes everything for us. It changes everything in terms of the destiny we have, but also in respect to the life that we get to live. As Jesus is a king who has a kingdom. And his kingdom is all about his rule and reign that he's longing to reveal in and through our lives. And what we've said is at the end of the Bible, you get to see what it looks like through Revelation 21 and 22. Of when Jesus' rule and reign is revealed in and through everything. And therefore, we understand that we have this amazing hope to look forward to. However, it's this hope of how we're defined by this kingdom that is to come that's meant to change who we are now. Both in who we are as a church but also who we are then as we live out within the world. And what we've said is we're going to look week in, week out at different attributes of this kingdom and the king that allow us to understand the kind of culture we get to build together and the kind of culture we get to reveal in the unique places we've been placed in, our workplaces, our education structures, our recovery programs, our homes, our, the shops we shop in, the, whatever it is for you, the places that make up your world the places that we then get to reveal this culture. And so week in, week out, we've been looking at different attributes. And today, I want to look at the attribute of rest. Now, when it comes to that word rest, we've got to understand that we are within a cultural background within the UK that we're living in. We live increasingly within a culture that's 24-7. I was on the way in this morning, and one of the petrol stations along the Purcell Road has kind of done some building work, has changed, and has now got a massive sign outside saying, we're now open 24-7 with an off-license. And so they kind of wanted to know that they're up for any time of the day, any time of the night. We live in a culture that's not only 24-7, but also is one where actually there's a lot of pressure at different points. People feel pressure in terms of work. People increasingly feel pressure in terms of education. Uh, you only have to look at studies of uh, any child from age five upwards, and you find that there's increasing evidence of anxiety and uh, pressure because of the education structure in I'm not going to get political at this point in time, uh, but it is just there is lots of pressure. To be honest, in my own household, I'm often trying to help my children through of varying ages, through the pressures they're feeling within the education structure they're in. We're also in a moment of uncertainty, which brings with it financial pressures. And then what we find is within this culture, with all these different pressures, all these different competing moments, there seems to be two outcomes that work. One is that there's always a question that is asked of me, and I'm sure is asked of you, and that is, are you busy at the moment? And depending on how you answer that is how you'll then get judged, because actually the more we answer, yes I am, or you wouldn't believe how busy I am, it seems to be that it becomes like a badge of honour. And we have this badge that says, oh yeah, I am busy. And what that means is I matter. The other thing that happens is, along with busyness, is it seems as though we have this other thing that goes on, which is that continuously we talk about how we're going to deal with our busyness. And how we're going to deal with that is we're going to escape And so you find that the escape happens in two main ways. Either it happens in the holiday, and so there's this continual sense of 27 days, 13 hours, 17 minutes till the holiday's on. (laughs) Or as someone returns from a holiday, it's like, oof, it's good. Went immediately into the travel agents and booked the next one. It's kind of this escape of it's going to happen. Or the other escape is that there's this fantasy. And I know increasingly with uh, the friendship circles that I'm in, there's this one of people talking about the different family pressures got, work pressures they have. And then there's this moment that goes in the conversation around the meal that says, oh, yeah, but don't you wonder what it would be like sometimes. Just say, forget it all. Just leave it. Jettison it. And just go and live in the middle of nowhere. Lawrence is already thinking, oh, I'd love that as we're going to see, Lawrence, this is one where we keep quiet until I've got to the end. Um, but... <laughs> there comes this moment where you think, hey, if, we, if we escape everything, then we can get there. and we could, we could grow our own crops. We could fend for ourselves, make our own clothes. We'll light ourselves up by the fires, not by electricity. We'll be no ownership on anyone. We'll just be with ourselves, escaped from everything. And there's kind of this fantasy that exists. And it's into the reality that you and I live in within the world that we're in. Of where busyness is a badge of honor. Where rest is something that sees momentary. And something that is a longing to escape. That actually I want us to see that the kingdom that we're now part of. The culture we get to build as a church together. The culture we get to reveal within this society has the attribute of rest. And that rest isn't something that we get to live for, wondering when it might come across our path. But what I'm hoping is we're going to see is actually rest is an attribute we get to live from that shapes everything of how we live, as well as it becomes a rhythm that defines who we are and what we do. And so with that in mind, I want to start actually with the king of the kingdom. Because actually, when you look at the king, you realize how much he longs for us to live within the rest that he offers. And so I want to start by looking at Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 30, where we find this amazing moment where Jesus proclaims what it looks like to be with him, how he longs to shape our lives. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus gives us an invitation to rest. Today, Jesus gives you and he gives me an invitation to rest. For many of us in this room, actually, we will know that we've tasted already of this rest. But it's a need to keep being reminded of the rest that we get to enter daily. For some of us, we would have never known of this rest. And for you, this moment is a moment where you could be defined for the rest of your life by the rest that Jesus wants to offer. See, Jesus is one who looks around and says, Man, if you're weary, come. If you're tired, come. I don't know where you're at this morning. It's always to be honest, an easy one to go for a good call, isn't it? Are you weary on a Sunday morning at whatever time it is, 20 to 11 in the morning? Yes. Tell me something I don't know. It's Sunday morning. Where to get up? The, in it, there's that sense, isn't it? Are you weary with life? Maybe in it, you're saying, well, no, I, I'm not actually that weary. I feel okay. Well, actually, maybe there's something of rest that you get to know that causes your okay to mean that you get to thrive. See, Jesus longs for us to know this rest, that he says is a rest that he longs to give us, that is a rest for our souls. The deepest possible rest, the soul, the very core of who we are. And Jesus says, I want to meet you in that place. Not the surface place that says, oh yeah, the things that you look for, Hurst, in terms of your caffeine, sorry, you'll find if you're new here that I tend to refer to myself in third person occasionally, my name is Adrian Hurst. So the things that you look to, Hurst, in terms of caffeine to kind of give you that quick stimulant, I'm not not just going to cover that. I want to get to a much deeper level with you, a much deeper level that isn't just a surface thing as I feel a bit tired from yesterday. I want to get to the very core of who you are to cause you to know rest in that place. And for us to understand that ultimate deep rest that Jesus offers, we need to firstly understand that this rest that he offers is part of a bigger story that we see throughout the whole of the Bible. See, this bigger story starts off at the very beginning of the Bible, in the creation of everything. We find that in Genesis 1 and 2, there's this poem that describes the wonder of how everything came into existence and it, it's not saying it's literally like this though some may believe that but it's saying actually there's this way that there's this one who is God who's father son and spirit who birthed everything out of love and at every point as he birthed something out of love because it was all out of his love an overflow of the love of the father to the son to the spirit he couldn't help but see what he created and see that it was good and throughout the poem, you see these moments of creation, and then it just goes, and God saw it, and it was good. He loved it. And you find that through this poem of creation, it gets to the end, and it says, and then God got to this moment and rested, Genesis two two, On the seventh day, he rested from his work. Now, let's be clear. Jesus the, Jesus, the Father, and the Son didn't, sorry, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit didn't rest at this point because they were tired. It wasn't like, man, we've just created the universe. Let's sit back for a bit. No, it's not that. The rest that is being spoken of here is the rest that comes through completion and pleasure. The God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit looks at all (laughs) they've created and in that moment rests out of delight and pleasure in what they've created and knowing that they have finished. And it's with that in mind that actually you and I were created as humanity to exist within, exist within this rest of something that's been completed and is full of delight and pleasure of God. The God then adds humanity in and says, And now I want you to add what you've got into this, bearers of my image. I said, Actually, so you know you live within rest, I'm going to give you this pattern to live by. So there'd be day and night. So you know that sometimes you've got to rest, you've got to sleep but also I'm gonna cause you to live with this rhythm that on the seventh day, you're gonna remember how I rested and saw what I'd done was good and took pleasure in it. And God instigates that and says, right, everyone, the whole of humanity rests then and remember that I'm in charge, that what I made's good. And then we know what happens, don't we? That, That humanity gets involved And humanity, rather than saying, yeah, we're going to live in the good of what you've done, God, is actually we want to see what you've done and actually say, maybe we could make this better by looking into our own self and say, maybe we've got enough here to make this work. And so he's telling that humanity says, no, we want to be like you, God. Not we're going to be images of you. We're going to be those who want to be on a par with you. We're going to be gods like you. And at that point, the whole thing breaks. And what humanity was meant to know through a a creation that was full of rest, it then gets this moment that actually something that God had never determined to happen breaks in, that causes each and every one of us to be living in the 21st century with technological advances that are so good and yet seem to impinge on every area of our life so we think we can never switch off. So we get to this point, Genesis 4.12, where everything breaks. And part of that curse of humanity is that when they work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be restless, a restless wanderer on the earth. That for humanity, we were to to live and we are living with restlessness. A deep unrest within us. An unrest that means that we're always working hard. It's all down to our efforts. An unrest that means that we're always longing for an acceptance of what we knew of God, of what we were made in terms of to operate in wholeness before God and one another is now broken and we kind of live with that sense of I long for this to be back as it was. Of longing with this deep sense of insecurity, of realizing that we were, we were made to belong and yet within it, however much stuff we stick in, it doesn't seem to make us feel like we belong. And that ultimately what we see through this story is a story of fear. That suddenly those that were made as images of God, hide from him. Fearful of who God is, fearful of what their future is. And that was to define who we become. And yet that was the beginning of the story, but even at that moment where the story breaks, God says, oh yeah, but I'm going to find a remedy. There's going to be one who's going to come and change everything, which gets us to Jesus' his life, death, and resurrection. And through his death on the cross, we see one who is restless, you have to look at the accounts of the cross to realize how restless Jesus was. And in that moment, as restless as he is, he's taken on our restlessness. In order that through his resurrection, he could then offer us his deep rest. A rest that would cause us to know that in centering our lives on him, we can know his rest and know the hope of the rest that is to come. So you find that when you get to Revelation 21, 22, you find that when Jesus gets everything as it's meant to be, it's full of rest. You find that everyone who's there knows that they belong, knows that they're accepted. More than that, there's no night anymore. And if that's ever struck you, it says that God himself will be their light and there will be no night. And then it's speaking of a couple of things. It's speaking of this moment that when there's light full throughout that time is one, is it speaking of safety. Because often at night, it's at that point where actually there's things that happen that we don't want to happen. It's saying there's safety there. But more than that, and I believe this, and maybe this is something I'm just working through at the moment, and we'll see what you think of it. But it's that maybe that it's speaking of light, but it's actually saying where there was a rhythm at the beginning of creation that was day and night, because there was a need for rest, you're now living within a moment of a new creation, where there isn't a need for night because you don't need to sleep, because you're living purely 100% in a life of rest that is found in the very essence of who God is. That's a destiny to look forward to, isn't it? I think, man, that's better than a holiday in (laughs) Mallorca. And the thing is, or wherever you'd like to go to, um, the thing is, that isn't just a rest that we're to look forward to, because what we have to do is then go back to where Jesus speaks here and says, this isn't something I give you as a rest for your soul that is to mark you now to mark you for the future. It's also to penetrate and change how you live now. This is a rest that's to permeate, to transform our present. Because Jesus invites us to rest. Jesus invites you to rest. Jesus invites me to rest. And the rest that He offers is both a rest from and a rest in. And to help me illustrate this, I'm just going to ask Colin to help me, just really, really quickly. See, what we need to understand is that for many of us, we live with this understanding that in terms of, Colin, you come and stand here for a moment. You, you're, you're very secure in yourself. You're not going to worry about what people think. That we, we live with this sense of resting in God for our salvation. If you like, what I'm going to paint a picture for is the deep rest that Jesus offers through our salvation. I'm then going to show how that deep rest in our salvation is then to transform how we live. But first of all, I need to give a yoke to Colin This is a heavy yoke. This is our yoke. God, you have to move from side to side because the pillar. That, that this is a yoke that is very heavy, a yoke that is destined by our efforts. That everything we do in life is about can I make myself better. That in it is seeking this deep understanding. Can I therefore be acceptable? Can I be approved? It's what I do going to be ultimately cop it with others and with God. And the problem with that is whenever we get to the A game, whenever we get to that point of thinking, man, I've done it. Look at what I've just done. Suddenly we remember there's tomorrow and we realize there's yet still to do. And then we've got that sense of insecurity. That sense of insecurity that actually, do I really belong? Am I enough? (laughs) And then lastly, we get that fear. The fear of, what about tomorrow? Ultimately, I am not in control. Ultimately, I don't know whether I will be well tomorrow. To be honest, I can't even take it as a guarantee that I'll be alive tomorrow. And that is the yoke that we are weighed down by. And we can do nothing about it. And what Jesus says is, Come. <laughs> Colin is brilliant at acting. This is why I asked him <laughs> Come to me, all you who are weary. I tell you what, until we knew Jesus, we were weary. Weary beyond anything we could ever imagine. Maybe you're here this morning, you do not know Jesus. You've not yet centered your life around who he is. And the reality is this we are weary because it's never and we are never enough. And what Jesus does is he says, Look, let's exchange yokes. Let's take that one off. And I want to give you a new one. He doesn't want to leave you with nothing. Isn't that amazing? Isn't simply he says, I'm going to take the yoke off you and now you're going to be okay. Well, no, because if there's nothing there, then actually there's the potential of going back to the old yoke. And rather what Jesus does, he says, hey, take on my one. Take on my yoke, which is light and easy. (laughs) You see, suddenly we find that rather than our effort, it's all about God's grace. And you can see it in his face, isn't it? It's already, it's like, Colin's able to walk, Colin's able to walk. Anyway, it's about grace that suddenly we realize it's not down to us, it's down to Jesus. And his performance, and his performance is always good enough. It's always complete. It suddenly means that we understand that we are acceptable. Acceptable before God. God who is perfect. Who now declares over you and over me, I accept you unconditionally. It means that we then need to know that we have status rather than insecurity. That we now belong to God. We're his children. That we're loved as the Father has eternally loved the Son. He now loves you and he now loves me. That's the status that we get to live in. And we get to know peace instead of fear. We get to know that we're whole. That Jesus is longing by his Spirit to continuously give us comfort. To allow us to know that we don't need to fear tomorrow because he is with us. And nothing's going to separate us from him. As if suddenly we get to live with lightness. And more than that, we get to rest. Rest in what Jesus has done for us. Rest in the fact that this is now what defines our life. Thank you, Colin, very, very much. But the thing is, if we leave that there, we then say, well, this is amazing, isn't it? This is the rest we're invited to partake in. But The challenge is that we then... If we're not careful, think, yeah, yeah, I've trusted you, Jesus, with my salvation. I understand that you now have rescued me, that I get to live in the love of God. But you don't understand that I live with pressures and deadlines and people asking me to do essays and people understanding, if I don't earn this, we're not going to eat. Of people emailing and pinging me and texting me and phoning me, rarely, because they always want to text. And just there. And if we're not careful, we then think, well, is that rest that we know there not then able to permeate the rest of my world? No, no. The rest we know in terms of our salvation is then to determine everything that we then live in. So we get to be the fact that rest is the way we live. Rest is the way we live in terms of a lifestyle of rest. See, it means that in everything we do, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, we actually get to be those who put on a yoke that says, this is the way that I'm going to live today. That today, regardless of what the, has got in store, it isn't what I do that's going to t- determine who I am. It's rather who I am that determines everything I do. Do you get that? That is groundbreaking if you can live in that. You are not determined by what you do, you are determined by who you are. And who you are then determines what you do. Which means if we're not careful, who we are, we forget and we put on the wrong yoke. And we suddenly think that all I'm about to do today is governed by my effort, my need for approval. That sense of do I fit? The fear of what if I get it wrong, and I tell you what, by midday, you will feel buckled under the weight of this yoke. And the thing is, I can make it sound all like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah we don't want to do that, do we?" Joe, do you know I do that. I pick up this yoke. I particularly pick up this rope, this yoke, even not the rope. I pick up this yoke when it feels like I've got lots on. When I feel like I've got lots on, I tend to forget the priority of picking up the right yoke. When I've got lots on, I suddenly think, actually, this is now down to this. And the weight of my effort becomes everything. The only way that this is going to work is through me. Head down, Hurst, scrum on. Woo! And i tell you what, all that happens is generally I can do about two days. And then I become a very ugly, horrible person to be around. Because the harder I work, as I often say, the harder I work, the more I sweat. The more I sweat, the worse I smell. I smell bad to my family. I smell bad to other people. And ultimately, I smell bad to myself. And I have this one who loves me. He's saying, Adrian, why are you doing that? Why are you living with that yoke? And then I think, I'm really sorry, God. Jesus, you took that one away, didn't you? You dealt with that one on the cross. He said, don't worry about that anymore. Live with this one. <laughs> I tell you what, you start your day like that, that's a different deal. When I start my day and I literally have to do this, I don't literally have this pole. Don't you think? Some of you are very worried. You're thinking, you're nuts, proper nuts. You think all the props you've got, agents, you have them all at home. Yes, I do. Getting dressed, get the pole on, (laughs) ready for the day. No. I'm there. I'm saying God today, I trust in your grace that is enough. Your unconditional love and mercy and provision for me. I'm living from that place. I'm living from that place of understanding that I am already as accepted as I could ever be. There's nothing that's going to change that. I'm living from the fact that I know that you I'm your child. And you're continuously, remember that couple of weeks ago, God, how God honors us? He's longing to continuously break into my day, break into your day saying, hey, this is mine. This is my child. This is what I love. With them, I'm well pleased. And when you're living with that around your neck, you think, this is good going. And lastly, I get to live with that deep sense of peace in everything that I'm doing. And sometimes when things are busier, I have to give more time to putting this on. That's crazy, isn't it? You think, no, 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 it's busy, therefore less time. No, when it's busy, I have to put more time in this one. But the thing is, my guess is what's true for me might be true for you. Are you putting the wrong yoke on? Because the call is to live a life where we live day in, day out, putting on that yoke. The yoke that Jesus has got for us. And I tell you what, we have to do that. Moment by moment, there are many moments, and we often refer back to this, but I think it's so important in terms of the easiest rhythm to live with is throughout our days to pause, to pause and then center and say, God, am I, am I got the right yoke on? <laughs> and then from that point, say, "Now I'll put back on the right yoke, I now get centered and continue on what I'm doing. So it's a lifestyle that we live in. It's also a rhythm that we live by. A rhythm that we live by that God ordained. There's this word that we can tend to think, well, no, no, we've gone past that, haven't we? No, we will never go past it until we finally see him face to face and then we'll realize that we're in it forever. And that is that we need to live with Sabbath rest. (laughs) Weekly, one day a week rest. God so wanted mankind, humanity to live within this. He put such strict rules. In the Old Testament, you could could face death over not taking Sabbath. Why? Because he knew, God knew it did us good. Now we don't live in a time where it's like death or this. We rather live in this moment of liberty saying we get to choose this. Why would we choose a one day a week rest? So I think Keller, if you've not already read it, says it so beautifully, so I thought there's no point reinventing it. He says this, Sabbath is therefore a declaration of our freedom. That's cool, isn't it? It means you are not a slave, not to your culture's expectations, your family's hopes, your medical school's demands, not uh, to any even to your own insecurities. When I'm taking a day's rest each week, I'm proclaiming I'm free. I'm free. He also continues, we are also to think of Sabbath as an act of trust. To practice Sabbath is a disciplined and faithful way to remember that you are not the one who keeps the world running. Turn to each other and say, you don't keep the world running. Some of us need to hear that because genuinely, we feel like, man, but you don't understand, Adrian, what I do... If I was to ease off the gas, if I was to allow a 24-hour period where I wasn't like doing stuff, the whole thing's going to go wrong. I tell you what, it isn't. It was okay before you. It will be okay after you. Rest. Having a Sabbath rest day, and it doesn't have to be Sunday. It could be a day that works for you. A day where you're able to say, in this moment, I'm celebrating, I'm free, and I'm trusting you, God. It's all in your hands. We're invited to take this. Now, it, it could be a danger then thinking, Well, is it then that we just sit around doing nothing then? Is that what I'm doing? Are I just resting by nothing? You now, sometimes it can be that, but the rest that we're invited to be part of, and we haven't got time to look at all of this, is God's rest. What I love about it is that on the seventh day, it says God rested. And it doesn't seem as though he's ever stopped resting. He didn't say then on the eighth day, he went back to it. It seems as though God's rest is one that is active. Active that led to our salvation plan. Active that has now led to our redemption. Active that will recreate everything anew. And therefore, there's a rest that we get to know in our liberty and our trust of him that is active in how we live out. And i would just leave you with this. I think this is practically something that I find helpful, maybe that you find it helpful, in terms of some rest gauges of what you can do to help yourself in resting on your Sabbath day. And I tend to see it like this. I see it like fuel gauges. I have different fuel gauges for my life. I'm continuously reviewing, saying, where am I at on this? Am I full or empty? And I have four particular gauges I'm looking at. The first one is relationally, in terms of, I'm a relational being, you are a relational being. You may say, well, I'm more introverted. You're still made in the image of God. You're made for relationship. And if we're in every relationship, we need relationships that are both benefiting us, also ones that we're giving to others. And it's continuously important that we're asking, how am I doing in my relationships with others? Am I empty or full? And depending on where we're at, that kind of helps us in terms of rest. What do I need to do today? I'm peopled out. I need to not see anyone. I've not seen enough people. I need to see some more people. Next one, spiritual. Where are we at in respect to relationship with God? Empty, full, somewhere in between. This is the one out of all of them that I'm always thinking, need more, fuel, 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 because I've realised the tank on this one just seems to keep expanding. Whenever I get to think, oh, it's getting full, oh, no, it isn't, there's still way more. In this one, is so important, where are we at in respect to our relationship with God? What time are we getting? Is it just literally on a Sabbath? Oh, yeah, God. Carry on with the rest of the week. It's important that we then spend time saying, how am I going to invest in this? Third gauge, physical. We're physical beings. We need to ensure that we're taking care of ourselves in our diets, in our exercise, in our... (laughs) I'm speaking to myself. I know, there's hypocrisy. Um, In terms of, literally, because we do need to sleep at this point in time. Are we getting enough sleep? How are we doing in resting physically? And for some of us, that doesn't mean doing nothing. It actually sometimes means doing something. Actually, being more active can actually replenish us. And then lastly, emotionally. That we are emotional beings. We think and we feel. (coughs) And our emotions are ones that we need to ensure we're handling well. And we haven't got time to look at this. What I'd encourage you to do in terms of emotions, go online, www.theoastichurch.com. There is a fantastic, if not awesome talk that you could listen to on emotions there, which will do you the world of good in terms of how we handle our emotions, how we process our emotions. But I strongly urge you to do that because it is so important that as we are emotional beings that we deal with and process and receive comfort and share what's going on. Because if we don't, when you get an empty on this one, you don't just literally pitter, peter out, which can happen. Mismanagement of emotions can deal can lead to burnout. Let's be real on that one. But also, it often leads to destruction. See, when you have your engine, often it the petrol runs out. If you keep allowing petrol to run out, in the end, the engine breaks. The same is true with humans. If you keep operating emotionally empty you'll be destructive not only to yourself to other people so it's so important we manage this anyway four gauges that i hope are practically helpful which leads us to this let's build a culture that is full of rest you see as we live this way it impacts who we are as individuals i hope it will impact who we are together wouldn't it be amazing i'm going to skip to the last question is that when we gather together, whenever we're seeing one another, we don't ask each other how busy you are. Rather, we ask, how are you doing living in and from rest? Wouldn't that be a great question? I'd love it if people came up to me asking and said, how are you resting at the moment? I'd love that, because sometimes I'd feel totally undone. i think, not very well. The busy one could do that. But what about the rest one, if we can look out for each other? This is something we get to model to the world outside, It's longing for rest to simply encourage people to say, hey, take a day off a week. Oh, but the world will end. It won't. You'll be okay. And as we get people to taste and see that rest is good, we then get to point to the deeper rest that's available. Two other questions. Do you know this rest? Yes or no? That's a horrible question, isn't it? If it's a no, and you'd like to discover something more of it, please come and speak to me at the end, as I'd love to talk to you through it a bit. If it's a yes... Then the second question, what do you need to do to live more in this rest? The thing I've realized with this one is, you never get it down. I don't think I've ever got to the point think, yes, sorted on rest. I just think there's something in me that's still needing to be renewed. And so I have to continuously evaluate, how am I doing in respect to rest? And encourage you to do the same. Otherwise, can I just pray for us, and then we'll end. Is that right? If you want to close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you so much that you know everything about us. God, I thank you for how you've created us as human beings. And I thank you that your longing for us is that we'd be those that are shaped by your rest. And I want to ask God, would you cause us as a community to encourage one another to live more in the rest that you offer? And I pray, God, would you cause us to be light and salt in the world around us, by simply revealing what rest looks like. God, because we just recognize that we're in a world that is longing for (coughs) it. And we've got the key. And so, God, we say we're sorry where we don't show that. And we're sorry, God, where we kind of get more into the world than we are with you. And I pray, God, that we'd be those that live tall and lightly with your yoke, revealing it to others. And I pray for some of us that we'd go from this morning, not condemned, but rather with this invitation to rest. I really ask that, Jesus. Amen.